0: Hi, I'm Peter Kimball, and this is Top New Filmmakers, where we introduce you to filmmakers you might not have heard of, but definitely should pay attention to. And today, we're talking with director, animator, Phoebe Hart. Um, and I, I, she is the director of a new film called Jamie Sunshine, which... I love this film. It's powerful. It's experimental, very personal documentary with elements of the surreal. Uh, I, I, it's, a, it's a powerful, fantastic film that I encourage everyone to see if you get a chance. Uh, but I want to talk to Phoebe today about her background in film, making this film in particular, and uh, just sort of dive into a discussion of... Of every everything that we can about film. So, Phoebe, thank you so much for talking with me today.
1: Amazing! Thanks so much for all those nice things you said, and uh, it's it's an honor to talk to you today.
0: Um, great. Well, the um, so with a film like this, it's a it's a very personal film, and I want to get into all of. I want to talk about the film specifically in a little bit, but uh, I wanted to start off just with with your life a little bit. And the film does cover you as a child, but I want to talk just about your life uh, as it pertains to film. Uh, uh, how hold on, let me reset that a little bit. Um, so with a with a film like this, it it talks so much about your life, your family life, your young life. And I want to talk about that in as it pertains to this film specifically but I also wanted to talk about how you started out in film and one of, one of the first questions I want to ask is as I'm talking to filmmakers here do you consider yourself a filmmaker do you consider yourself an animator do you consider what how do you an artist how what do you consider yourself?
1: you know it's funny I was I was kind of wondering if you'd ask a question like that um, because I think in a way I'm still finding that out um, I think I'm sort of beginning to identify more as a filmmaker. But um, I actually started out as an actor when I was younger. Um, I went to acting school in New York. And um, I just, I started making short films with people. And I ended up becoming roommates with one of the directors. And I started to realize that I really wanted to be the one making them. Um, But I actually went back to school for for studio art, because I didn't kind of see a trajectory for myself as a filmmaker. Um, But then when I found animation, I was like, oh, I don't need a massive budget, a team of people who disagree with me. And like, uh, you know, I I can make this film in the corner of my small bedroom. Um, So for me, that's almost like my gateway into filmmaking is through animation.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, well I have, I, I want to dive into so many aspects of that and talk about your process, talk about some of your, your journey to here. Um, you, 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 said you started off acting. Was that the initial dream? Was that something you just fell into or what, what was your initial draw to that?
1: Um, I mean, I think I was a little bit of a lost teenager and, Acting was something that I was drawn to because I was so obsessed with film. I watched so many films growing up, and um, I think in, I think I realized later that actors don't have many opportunities to be in the kind of films that I was loving and watching and enjoying. And um, even actors who make it, you know, the one millionth percent of actors who make it don't necessarily get to work with the directors that they admire. And I kind of realized that it was actually more important to me to be making the films that I wanted to see instead of trying to be in the films that I wanted to see. Um,
0: That makes sense. Um, And do you feel like having been an actor, do you feel like you draw from that? Is that just feel like a totally separate experience or does that inspire and help you now?
1: It totally helps me now. I mean, when I'm animating a puppet for a stop motion animation, um, just thinking about like creating emotion through posture or status of character through body movement, um, I feel like that training and that interest certainly contributes a lot to uh, my animation.
0: Okay. Um, so when you were when you were young, when you were starting out in life, <laughs> when you're starting out in life, Did, what was your relationship with film back then? Did you, was that a big part of your family life? Did you watch movies? Did you have a favorite movie? What What was that like?
1: We watched, my family watched a lot of movies. Um, we watched a lot of films. I in particular, when I was in, in high school and middle school, I was really obsessed with any kind of director who had such a particular, almost like suffocating specific visual experience like a like a Wes Anderson like a Gu- Guillermo del Toro like a sure. you know Guy Ritchie even like mm-hmm. any sort of director who had a, a such a distinct vision uh I was always impressed with films that when the second you paused it the composition was just gorgeous
0: oh that's interesting that and that I could see how that would also play into uh how that could be how that could fit in with your interest in animation and, and the still image playing into the motion picture.
1: Exactly because animation allows you to have control over every single frame. So it's uh it's amazing to be like a puppet master and <laughs> and uh you know you can literally plan. a puppet master yeah, I mean, you have to plan the composition and the movements from beginning to end. So that's something that I find deeply satisfying.
0: Wow, that's... Um, and so you, did you go to film school?
1: I am or some, What
0: was what was your school, your university experience like?
1: Well, I went to an acting conservatory for two years, and I was living in New York for a while. I was mostly a waitress. And I um, went back to Connecticut so that I could quickly afford to go to my undergrad at a state school in Connecticut in studio art. Um, And now, years later, I'm getting my master's currently at CalArts, which is a film slash art school in Los Angeles that has like a focus on animation.
0: Okay. Um, Yeah. I mean, that, and that's, that's like the place for animation, isn't it?
1: yeah, some some may say,
0: yeah <laughs> uh so did you so you're there now, so um that's a little different from from people where that is long in the past, but did you feel so maybe you don't want to speak ill of of your current institution, but um and not that not that you would anyway, but do you feel like? There's a real value that you're getting out of the school, out of the education. Uh, do you feel like you could have been doing this all on your own? How, how is that working out?
1: The thing about CalArts and the animation program is that I'm in the experimental animation program, not the character animation program. And the character animation program is like when you think of CalArts, it's like Pixar, Disney, Cartoon Network people. But the experimental animation program has exposed me to so many incredible artists I never would have seen and techniques and I'm having so much fun um, experimenting in this program Uh, and so it's been really fruitful for me. I don't think I would have been able to make the film Jamie Sunshine the way that I did if it hadn't been for starting out at CalArts. I think it's really developing my uh, career
0: well, that that's great, and I that seem that rings true to me too. The idea that one of the great things about school is the experimentation. That sometimes people say, you know, if you're really self directed, you can learn how to, and maybe less with, I don't know, maybe less, maybe more with animation, but with with film production in general, that you could just learn this yourself. You can learn by doing. You don't really need school, and I I think there's a lot of truth in that, but also that everything becomes so um, career-oriented, which is valuable, but sometimes one of the best things about school is just the chance to experiment, to do exercises that aren't necessarily individually furthering your career, but are helping you as an artist.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, to backtrack a little bit on what I said, I completely think you can be a filmmaker or animator without going to school or an institution. Some of my favorite things I made were outside and before school and I think in a way prior to having specific knowledge about animation I was experimenting more on my own um, and I think it's important to keep that in mind when you're in school that you can take what you want to learn from these seasoned professionals around you but you can also try and find your own way mm-hmm. and it's just as valuable.
0: Right. Um, So what drew you to experimental uh, animation as opposed to the the character animation, the more traditional? What what drew you to that?
1: Well, my first introduction to any kind of experimental animation was in a class in my undergrad. I saw a film by William Kentridge, who's kind of like a fine artist animator. And... I was just blown away. I was like, oh wow, this is a whole other world of filmmaking and animation that I'm totally unfamiliar with. And so I deep dived into it and I became familiar with some incredible artists who uh, many of them came out of CalArts, many of them um, taught at CalArts that I you know, currently admired. I mean, I, I got to go to school and train under some people who I were like my dream. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I think I think. What did you ask me? I well, think I guess. The question. So,
0: were you ever are are you interested in you know being a Pixar animator, or is that totally not your bag?
1: Well, Pixar animation is just off the table for me because of the 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 intense dedication to developing a skill set to be able to mm. animate for Pixar. I. I'm interested in narrative character animation in the sense that my next film is a is a narrative stop motion animation and it's okay. a comedy so it's it's I think it's a little more mainstream I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm interested okay. in both. I value I value both, but I really like the tactility of multimedia animation.
0: So, speaking of that, what does your actual creative process look like what I mean it just what are you I, I know what a film set looks like I'm very familiar with with that I think a lot of people have a picture of what a traditional film set looks like but how do you do what you do
1: um well it really varies from film to film for example the film jamie sunshine i made actually includes pixelation which is like animating people uh, in real life um, it involves hand-drawn animation and home video that actually ended up coming into the process later it wasn't something i was expecting to bring in um so for that film it was much more about like this this feeling and this this story and this relationship that I wanted to share, beginning with the idea that my brother was a superhero fighting his demons.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but when it comes to a film like I'm making now, that's a narrative stop motion, it starts with a script and then it goes to an animatic and then I'm designing the characters and then I'm building puppets <laughs> and building sets and recording actors. And it's just kind of like a miniature film production.
0: Okay. Um, well, since, you know, since we've been dancing around it, but let's talk a little more about Jamie Sunshine. So uh, where did the initial idea come from to, to turn to take this personal story and, and make it into a film?
1: You know, When you first, when you first get to CalArts, you have to make a first year film or you get to make a first year film. And, um, in a way it was like, I was almost trying to avoid the topic of addressing my relationship with my brother who, uh, suffers from schizophrenia, um, or lives with schizophrenia. And I had all these other ideas, but the class kept taking me back to this idea in critiques. And I think I realized that it was just a story. I was, I was ready to tell um, and felt a need to tell and to express. And also in a way, I had just moved across the country and my brother, Jamie, and I are very close. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a way of staying connected to him through making this film. We, you know, we spoke so many hours on the phone and talked about what it was going to be like, and then he actually performed in it. Um, so, so not
0: just the, not just what the film, not just making a film about him, but also the fact that he was going to be involved with it was a was a big part of the, the the impetus to do this.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I wanted to be really cognizant of the fact that I was sharing. I was sharing a family experience and my experience, but it's it's really my brother's story, you know, when it comes down to it. It's, it's my brother's life that was so irrevocably changed um, when he developed psychosis for the first time. And um, I just we're so close. It, it was really important to me that if I was ever going to be making a film about it, him, that it would be with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a really rewarding process and I'll never forget it. Um, it was great for the whole family to be involved.
0: And so he was always going to be, that was from the beginning. That was part of the idea that he would be involved in the making of it.
1: Um, in a way, actually, no, in a way I had this idea that it was the narrative of how I felt about my brother as a little girl. Mm -hmm. Um, and not understanding exactly what schizophrenia or psychosis or delusion meant and just this sort of innocence and experiencing these things as so real um experiencing his his delusions as as fact and um but then the more i got into the filmmaking process i realized that he definitely had to have Say on what he was comfortable or not comfortable sharing, and then through that, I just realized that it was actually going to be much more fruitful uh, as a film and as an experience for us to collaborate on it together.
0: And I think that's a great approach that you took. I, I think the film really benefits from that. It just as a someone viewing it, it I think it's a tricky it's a tricky thing when you're framing something. If you're the filmmaker making a story about somebody else especially somebody you're very close with i think th- i think it could be tricky to know how much you center yourself and how much you center them and and how much how how to ride that balance of i'm the one telling the story but it's not really my story but it's a little bit my story about them uh, so it's a i uh, did you struggle with that at all it, or it, did that flow pretty naturally once once he was on board?
1: Um, you know, I could imagine you probably felt this making your film as well, <laughs> um, about your brother. Um, but I, I, uh, no, it felt pretty natural because we've kind of like collaborated drawing together a lot. He was, he was an artist growing up. Um, and so he's extremely creative. Um, and I, I, I think it is a fine line, you know, and I do still get nervous sometimes even showing it or watching it, you know, like that I'm stealing some sort of perspective. Um, but I also think it's really important for the family of people with mental illness to have a film to connect to because it's, it's not kind of a perspective you get to see a tonne. Um, there was that amazing HBO series recently with Mark Ruffalo. Um, I can't remember the name, but it oh. was, it, it, he was his twin brother who was suffering from Yeah. From, uh,
0: Derek C in France. Um, yeah, yeah. I forget the name of it. Yeah.
1: And that film, I mean, that series was, was super inspiring. That was, I mean, my brother had been in one of the same hospitals, so it was super oh, wow. relatable. Um, then, but I, I have had a lot of people reach out to me and and say that they grew up with a mother or brother or an uncle or cousin suffering from a severe mental illness, and that they've you know appreciated or felt felt you know seen in some way.
0: And I think that's I think that's I find that very important, and I and I'm I'm glad that you you made this film and and, and took the approach that you did. I think that it's. You don't want to steal somebody's story or, or or exploit them, but but I think and you know and this is a million miles away from that, but I think I think the telling the story of the other people involved is also legitimate. That that's a story that needs to be told as well.
1: Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I think I think I was always really aware of that fact, and I was trying so so hard to have a a tender approach to this film um so
0: and so as you as you approach this visually um i know it's very colorful is that is that something that is just true to all your work is that was that very intentional for this project Mm -hmm. what was what, what how did that come about
1: um, I just can't help myself. All my work is super colorful. I think it's just like how I see the world. I don't even see it as super colorful. Like, <laughs> I, um, like I can't imagine ever dressing a character in a plain outfit. Um, but also there's this fantastical element that I'm, I'm costuming him as a superhero and I'm animating him as a superhero um, because, you know, when I was a kid and he told me he could talk to plants, I 100% believed he could talk to plants. And I still don't 100% doubt that today. <laughs> so, and in my mind, he did have these sort of Jedi powers, as he would call them.
0: And so, as you're exploring those powers and visualizing them in the in the film, what was the process like for you in in terms of how to how to explore that visually. It seems like a big part of this film is that it's not just a straight documentary, this was my experience, but that it's it's incorporating so much more to tell the, the feeling of the story. But how did, how did you work through to that?
1: Um, I mean, I think I had a basic um, narrative that I had written out. I had written out a voiceover that ended up changing. So I was collecting footage when I went back home over winter break and I got my family in costumes and paper mache masks and uh, I got that footage and then I did the hand drawn animation footage. And while I was home, I got all my old home video footage to go through just to kind of relive the time. And I started putting that in there almost as placeholder footage. Um, And then I realized that it actually kind of worked and I rewrote, I rewrote the voiceover to sort of marry those things together. Um, And a lot of the sort of like practical effects you see with like twinkling lights and colors changing is actually footage my brother took when he was a teenager um, prior to being diagnosed prior to his first episode. Um, And it's, it's sort of like in a way for me, that means it's a collaboration that spans time.
0: Wow. Well, that's really interesting. And that's, I don't think that's clear in the film, though. That he it, it, would that. Do you think there would be something to benefit from knowing that, or was that intentional to to just let us see everything?
1: I mean, I guess, I guess because I know the footage and I see there's one point where you see his like shadow in the camera and he's filming himself as like a twelve year old, and so it isn't said directly. And I guess because mm. I'm so familiar with my brother's face. I, I see it right away as it is. Um, but I think, um, I think, you know, my brother is, is credited on the film as co-director. And I think that's, it's mostly because of our collaboration and talking about it, but it's also because of those clips
0: mm-hmm.
1: that he, he took these amazing films on VHS as, as a teenager. I mean, he made stop motions, and he made these completely wild experimental films. Um, that maybe he will let me release one day. Who knows?
0: <laughs> wow. Um, so, with as you're making this, do you are you trying to send a specific message? Is it more uh, just exploring? Your story and and him and these ideas—is there something in particular you want an audience to come away with after watching this?
1: Um, I think, in a way, in a way, I was just sharing um, my my family's personal experience in the hope that people would feel less alone and have some more understanding. Um, and the reason I kind of framed it in this sort of, as you're saying, like. Experimental documentary, not interviewing on camera, um, is because uh, I I I didn't want to address the fact that it was exactly about his mental illness and or his schizophrenia because um, it, it's really about the experience around around it. Mm-hmm.
0: And it. it... It seems like a we we get little glimpses in the film uh, talking about your mother crying. We we get glimpses of the difficulty that goes along with this, uh, but in general, I feel like the the film's tone is not as dark as a lot of stories might be told about uh, about this kind of subject. It, is that intentional? Is that is that a big part of this?
1: I think I think absolutely. There's so much film out there that either glamorizes mental illness or demonizes mental illness. And it's usually like one extreme or the other. Mm-hmm. Like you see a lot of films in hospitals where like there are these magical sequences and it makes it kind of seem not so awful, (laughs) (laughs) but then you see like murder films and the person always has a mental illness. And um, so that was definitely a part of it. I mean, the truth is, is that there is a lot of darkness around this subject. Um, There is a lot of heavy emotion and, and, and horrible things happen and but there's also so much that's that's good and there's so much left over with the relationship with the person who is is suffering with psychosis or delusion that can sometimes even also be funny. Like okay. I can't tell you how much, and I'm including my brother in this, my family laughs about previous times and things happening and there's so much humor in my family and just letting things go and... Um, I think that this film was very intentionally a positive take Mm -hmm. on my experience with my brother growing up. Um, There might, there might be a a time later on where it's a longer film, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but this is definitely uh, intentionally positive. Yeah.
0: And um, it's, to me, it seems like it takes a lot of courage to put yourself and your these these personal stories out there, and, and both sort of double, doubly courageous in the sense that you're putting yourself out there as a director, as a creative person, people are judging your work, but then it's also you as a person, your family. Did that feel like a big leap that took a lot of intentional courage, or did that just feel like second nature, you're just... Expressing yourself, what was what was that like?
1: I think maybe like the first ten people I showed to, I felt extremely nervous about that. But I think that my family—I mean, when my mother, when my when my brother got sick, she joined. She ended up working with NAMI, the National Alliance for the Mentally Ill, and um, teaching, you know, running groups, group therapy, and things, and. I feel like it's been really important in my family not to have shame, not to have secrecy around the fact that my brother lives with schizophrenia, because I think a lot of families don't talk about it. Hmm. Um, And I think it's a topic people are like scared of sharing. Um, But, and I definitely would have, sorry, there's, I don't know if you can hear a plane going over. But there's definitely a lot of, uh... it was second nature. I guess that's the thing. When, if 10 years ago I couldn't have made it, I would have been terrified to to have made it and released it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I've gotten to the point where I'm, you know, my brother's super ready to share his story. My family's super ready to share his story. Um, and I got consent from all of them.
0: Uh-huh. With your family, with with that attitude of of not having shame uh, and and being more open about this, is that is that just the the nature of the family? Is that something that uh, did the, did that take a lot of work to get to that point? Was that something that was always just the the, the tone of the family?
1: Well. Um, I would say it took time. I mean, I remember as a kid being super sensitive when when people were like making fun of Gollum and calling him schizophrenic and or teachers calling the printer schizophrenic or like anytime I heard the word used as an adjective to like m- misrepresent something. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember feeling so just on fire with emotion and so protective of my brother and Um, I think my mother is a force. (laughs) Mm -hmm. She is a super positive force in our family and we have just, I think, become closer because of the pain that we've all been through together. So, um, yeah, the openness I think has definitely been there. Maybe not from the start, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but it's been, it's been over 20 years now, so... Okay. because my brother's ten years older than me
0: okay um, so with a film this personal now I, I imagine I don't know how many other family stories you have to tell but but I imagine you're you're gonna be telling other stories as as you go on in your career that are are not the same level of of personal but is it important to you that you have some kind of personal connection to the stories you're telling or do you want to go off in a totally different uh, direction from that?
1: Well, I'm of the belief, at least in my writing practice, that I can't help but have something personal in there.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: whether that's hidden through, dispersed throughout characters, there's some truth to it with me. Like I'm writing a, or I've written a narrative script for my next film. And, you know, it, it it's so personal in so many ways, but no one's ever going to know that.
0: Mm. But probably that's going to inform how real the characters feel, how the dialogue feels to just, you're being able to draw on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a story, it's a story about relationships. It's a story about jealousy. It's a story about sexual tension and um, all of the characters you know, have not all of me, but little parts of me. And so it's, it's definitely, it's definitely personal.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, so I want to just take a little step back and uh, talk just a, a little bit about your feelings about film in general. Uh, but if you, so just super, super general, what would you say your three favorite films are?
1: If you oh had to pick gosh. three. Oh my god, that's so hard. Yeah. I have, I have to say, sorry, I'm moving around. Um, I have to say that I'm not the kind of person who re-watches a film a lot. Okay. Um, I, I would have to say one of my favorite films though, I will say, is Science of Sleep by Michel Gondry.
0: Mm.
1: I'm super inspired by his mixed media approach he's super just like throw it on there have a cardboard horse this is inside the brain um so i'm a big fan of most of his all of his films and music videos um one of my favorite short films is by an artist um susan pitt called asparagus okay it's very mixed media animation um And do I, oh, I do love, um, I do love, I don't know if I could say it's my favorite film because I don't know everything about it, but uh, Three Women by Robert Altman. It's a 1977 Mm. film. Um, It's just so beautiful.
0: (laughs) You know, and one thing I've noticed in talking to people about their favorite films, everyone always says, you know, I can't answer that. That's, that's a, it's crazy to say, three. but still when you're pressed, you, you say three films and it might be different yesterday. It might be different tomorrow, or maybe, maybe those are always the three that you would say, but it's, I think it says something about you, you know, of all the films that you like, the ones that come to mind, that's, and that's an interesting, um, do you see any through line in the, in those three films that you said?
1: Um, definitely with Michelle Gondry and Susan Pitt, just in the sense that it's, the worlds are super, there's a, there's a real world, but there's a dreamlike state and there's, it's very mixed media. Um, and there's like a super, there's a real sense of bravery in their filmmaking. hmm Um, the three women, I don't know, maybe just that it's also a very beautiful, beautifully colored film. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you 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 love the color.
1: Um, I'm obsessed with color.
0: <laughs> there's a Christoph Waltz uh, quote, or he he was interviewed, the actor Christoph Waltz, who he was he was asked about how he spent many years just doing Austrian and German television, and before moving to you know Oscar winning status and everything, and and he was asked, were you were you happy just being on Austrian TV, were you satisfied and happy with that? Or did you always dream of winning Oscars? And he said, both. I was happy, I was satisfied, but I also dreamed of of more. And so my question to you is, what about what you're doing right now makes you happy, makes you feel satisfied with what you're doing, and what would be your, your dreams down the road?
1: Um. I'm so happy doing what I'm doing. I feel like I'm finally doing what I was meant to be doing um, because it brings me joy all the time. Um, But that, that being said, I'm in school and I'm experimenting and I get to make the films I want to make. When Mm -hmm. I graduate, that may no longer be the case. Um, But I think, I think I am aware of the fact that I don't, I'm a little scared of of sort of going down a commercial route, um, especially with animation. You can stuck get stuck in literally the commercial world, making commercials, mm-hmm. um, and I think that I've never really wanted to be super famous or super any of these things because then I think I think suddenly you actually don't have. A lot of time Hmm. you don't have a lot of time to enjoy life and because you're working all the time Mm -hmm. Um, and i've seen it with friends and i just think i kind of want to live a quiet life as long as i can afford a big enough studio in my backyard to make my stop motion animations i'll be happy
0: wow that's great that's that seems genuinely artistic uh (laughs) as opposed to the there's the line it's a it's a pie eating contest where the the award is more pie it's
1: (laughs) i think i think the world of like commercial success kind of scares me
0: yeah i think there's a lot to be scared of there do you feel though like um you care about how many people are seeing your work? Do you feel like it's just for you and whether people see it or not is irrelevant or, or does it make a big difference to you getting your work out to the world?
1: Um, I mean, obviously it's really nice if a lot more people see it because then my message is spread, whatever that Mm -hmm. message might be. Um, So, but i'm I'm pretty happy just making it um, but I also have to earn a living, <laughs> <laughs> so there's this sort of balance I mean, you know, I apply to film festivals and I do that whole game, but you know i haven't I haven't really done a proper in person festival circuit because of covid.
0: Have you found virtual festivals to be rewarding or? Does it just sort of seem like a kind of a bummer? What's what's been your experience like with that?
1: I mean, I'll be completely honest. It's kind of a bummer. (laughs) Just because when I hear so many people talking about how wonderful they are in person. Mm -hmm. um, And I just think it's harder to make connections with people online.
0: Yeah, it totally is. It totally is. And I think another big thing about film festivals is that if you're there... Like your whole life is given over to the festival for the time that you're there, and if you're still at your home with the other people around you, your other things going on, you're just not. Even if you're really trying to log in as much as possible, you're not going to have the same experience as if you were there, and all the people around you or other filmmakers that you're bumping into. I think that's a. It's, I think I think the festivals have done a, a great job given the circumstances but i look forward to the more and more being in person.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, i mean with slam dance there were so many filmmaker meetups online that i just couldn't i would either be in class or i'd be working or i'd have a thing and i couldn't go and I was so sad about it because i i think it was so great that they organized so many of those.
0: Mm-hmm. And i hope people made great connections out of that. It it's hard for me to to make great connections uh, online, but Uh, but you know, I hope we're, I hope we're getting to a place where that's not quite as necessary anymore. Uh. Yeah,
1: I think so. I hope so.
0: (laughs) So you mentioned, uh, a, a new stop motion project that you're working on. Is that, do you have other, other stuff in the works, future films that you're hoping to make anything you want to tell us about future, the future of Phoebe Hart?
1: Well, because stop motion is um so insanely time consuming, like all film, all filmmaking is time consuming. But um this oh, it's gonna be like a four and a half minute film, and it's definitely gonna take me the next year and a half to make. Um so I'm completely focused on that. But I always have tons of ideas. Um And I'm actually making some sort of installation film work at the moment.
0: Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, And is it nice to take a break from the the stop, the the stop motion project or is that?
1: uh... Oh yeah. I'm making so many ceramics right now. (laughs) I'm making ceramic food. I'm making a ceramic feast. I love ceramics because animation is a million moving things and when I just want to take a break from it, I make ceramics now. Um, but I also, the thing about stop motion is that you're working so much with your hands in the beginning because you're building, you're building, you're building, Mm. you're building, you're building. And suddenly your puppets are coming to life and suddenly your sets are coming to life. And then it's a totally different mindset when you're like, okay, I'm setting up the lighting. I'm I'm shooting, I'm shooting, I'm shooting, I'm shooting, I'm shooting, I'm shooting. And, um, so I enjoy the waves of the different mindsets that that entails.
0: That's great. That's great. Well, I look forward to seeing your future work um, in, you know, when in a year and a half or whenever it's 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 done. But um, that's great. Where could people follow you or, or see your work? Where where should people look for you?
1: Oh, well, um, I have a website called phoebejanehart.com, Um Phoebe spelled with an O-E, um, and I have an Instagram, that's Um I use my middle name because there's another filmmaker out there named Phoebe Hart. She's Australian, which is cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Same same kind of area of film as you or totally different?
1: She made a documentary. I'm not totally familiar with her work. I've just only seen it a few times come up, but I, I use my middle name so that people know we're different people. Okay. But okay. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. This has been a pleasure.
0: Well, great. Thank you so much for taking the time and for, for talking with me. And, and it's been great learning about your process and, and getting some of your perspectives on, on film and, and on Jamie Sunshine. Thank you so much. I really
1: appreciate it.
0: And that brings our episode to an end. Thank you for joining us. You can find out more links and information on the show notes. So thank you and come back next time where we'll be talking to more filmmakers that you might not have heard of, but should definitely pay attention to. I'm Peter Kimball. Thank you.